Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Histories of the Unexpected, the show where we demonstrate that everything, simply everything, has its own history, like stench, slime or beaches. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, who knew that the history of chairs is all about witchcraft and Tudor punishment, or that the history of blood it's all about World War II and Winston Churchill's speeches. The man sitting opposite me who will help pilot us through this wonderful historical world is one of the country's leading professors of history. It's James Daybell. Hello, James. Hello, Sam. And the man sitting opposite me is the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. Uh, this is another episode in our special series of homeschooling for kids. And in each episode, we're going to take a subject that I bet you don't think has a history. And we're going to prove that it does. And today, it's going to be an absolute cracker. It's the history. It's going to be a crackler, James, because it's going to be crackling. In... Love it. It's, it's the history of fire. Oh, now, fire. There's does so fire much have to say about fire. So much to mm. say about fire. Where does it start with fire? I think fire as light. I'm really oh. interested in. So, um, you know, everyone used to have candles and they would burn and provide light. And before that, going back to prehistory, you're having people with burning wood. And I think that's fascinating. So the invention of fire and people living really close to fire and using it every day. Oh, that's brilliant. That discovery of fire and the impact on the world. And you can trace that all the way to the modern day global climate crisis and the forest fires that we've seen in Australia. But also mm. burning things is something that has obsessed me as a historian. And various regimes have sought to burn things. Like think about book burning that happened in Nazi Germany as a form of censorship. You know, particularly authors of Jewish or pacifist or religious sort of origins that the Nazis didn't like. They burnt the books of Karl Marx, for example. And they also burnt, burnt books in the Tudor period and they, as well, didn't they? They also burnt books in the Tudor period, yes. Those books that Henry VIII and co. didn't like. Also, what about yeah. scorched earth tactics? So very common for armies throughout history to live off the land of the countries that they're conquering. And how do you stop that as you're retreating? Very simple. You set the fields and crops alight. And this was employed by Roman forces as part of their warfare. It was seen in the Napoleonic Wars and also during World War One by the Russians on the Eastern Front as they retreated. 
And of course, the whole industrial revolution wouldn't have happened without fire, because you've got to have fire, especially fire coming from coal, to burn the, to boil the water, to create the steam, which made the steam engines work. And that meant that they could industrialise all the factories. So without that, nothing would have happened in the industrial revolution. No, exactly. And what about burning people, such as in oh, Tudor gosh, yes. England? And flames mm. were a very important part of propaganda techniques of the Tudor state for combating heresy. They burnt heretics. In other words, these were people who held religious views that were not allowed by the state. And every single Tudor monarch burned people. During the reign of Henry VII, 24 heretics were burned. 81 were burned during the reign of Henry VIII. Just two in the six years of Edward VI's reign, that boy Tudor king, Mary I was the one to really embrace the bonfires. And during her short five-year reign of this Catholic monarch, almost 300 men and women were burned for being Protestants. And the martyrdoms of these people are recorded in gruesome detail by the very famous martyrologist John Fox in his book called Acts and Monuments, also known as Fox's Book of Martyrs which was published in 1563. And there are really vivid descriptions of people being burned, as well as fantastic detailed pictures of these events. And we should stay in the Tudor period as well, because they were very handy with fire, weren't they? And I want to talk about them using fire to communicate. They used a system of beacons. And a beacon, it was a bit like a, a large iron frame full of huge logs which they'd set fire to if they needed to communicate something across large distances. There were systems of beacons right across the country. And it's really interesting to think about how they worked by the sea. They were in groups of three by the sea. And if one beacon was lit, that meant that one ship was seen acting suspiciously. If two beacons were lit, that meant that two or more ships, perhaps even a fleet, were seen acting suspiciously. And if those ships actually managed to invade, if they managed to land an invading army, they could land horses, they could land men, then all three beacons were lit. Now that is in theory how it worked. In practice, it's actually worth thinking about what happened. And if you look at the Spanish Armada campaign, this is when in 1588, the Spanish King Philip launched a huge army to invade England. Special instructions were given to all of the counties in England that they were not, in fact, to light any beacons. This is because they knew that the Spanish were coming. They also knew there was very little they could do to stop them. And they were very concerned indeed about causing a panic in the country. So, in fact, an order was issued that only were the three beacons to be lit and only if the Spanish actually managed to land any troops. And during the Armada campaign, no troops were landed. And that's how we know that no beacons were actually lit at all. So I want to tell you now about Elizabeth I, who at the height of the Armada was at Tilbury. And she gave a very famous speech to rouse the troops on the 18th of August, 1588. And this was when all the troops were gathered and Elizabeth was trying to stir the nation to arms with a rallying cry. And it's gone down in history as one of the most famous speeches by a monarch. 
It's also really interesting for what it says about Elizabeth ruling as a woman. And I'll read you just a little extract of it. I know I have the body but of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king, and of a king of England too, and think foul scorn that Palmer, the Duke of Palmer, or Spain, the King of Spain, or any prince of Europe should dare to invade the borders of my realm. By your obedience to my general, by your concord in the camp, and by your valour in the field, we shall shortly have a famous victory over those enemies of my God, of my kingdom, and of my people. Now, this speech was total and utter Elizabethan theatre. It was spectacular in its pageantry and its ceremony. And on the morning of the 18th of August, 1588, Queen Elizabeth I left London on a royal barge, travelling to Tilbury, closely guarded by her royal bodyguards, gentlemen pensioners, all of whom were dressed in their finery of highly polished armour and feather helmets. On reaching Tilbury Fort, she was greeted by an escort of 2,000 infantry and 1,000 cavalry, or men on horseback, before addressing the 17,000 strong force of men assembled there, clad in a man's armoured breastplate. So the fact that she, as a woman, is dressing up in military uniform is incredibly important here. She is representing the leader of the country. She is epitomising a general at war. What is more remarkable, though, is that the authenticity of this most famous of speeches from the last of the great Tudor monarchs has actually been called into question. People have, historians have asked whether it actually happened in that way on that very day. And it's highly likely that these were not, in fact, the exact words that Elizabeth uttered on this day, but rather those rewritten and repackaged for propaganda purposes for later generations to devour. And the representation of Elizabeth having the stomach of a king is, as I've said, important because of its connection to courage. Having the stomach for something is, in other words, to have the courage for something. Now, whether it's real or rewritten, the power of such a speech as this motivated the nation and people of that country to acts of courage and persuaded them to take up arms to defend their homelands, their families and ways of life, and to challenge those who sought to dominate and suppress them. In other words... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the words of Shakespeare's Henry V, once more unto the breach, dear friends, once more, or close the wall up with our English dead. Now, the resolution and strength of the Queen, rather like our own Queen Elizabeth II, who did an extraordinary live broadcast to the nation on the 5th of April 2020 at the height of the corona crisis, shows how a figurehead of the country can play such an important role in girding the loins of the nation at a difficult time. What do you think about that, Sam? It's fascinating, a really good lesson from history. And there's also, you know, this going back to the idea of fire and the Spanish Armada and leadership, there is this moment during the Armada campaign where the Spanish fleet are sighted off Plymouth. They then sail all the way up the channel. They're being attacked by Francis Drake and Martin Frobisher and other leading English seamen. And they actually get to Calais. They get there reasonably safely and the Spanish fleet anchors. And it's at this moment that the English fleet send in what they called fire ships. They would get some ships, take off all the people, but they'd put on board lots of gunpowder and explosives. They then set fire to those fire ships, hoist the sails and then point them in the direction of the enemy. And this is exactly what happened at Calais. And it made the Spanish fleet hoist up their anchors, some even cut their anchor cables to get away as quickly as possible, and they fled into the open sea. And that's exactly where the English wanted them. So the English then fought the Spaniards, they attacked them, and they defeated them in battle in the open sea. And that made the Spanish sail all the way home around the top of Scotland, and many, many ships were wrecked on the way. So there's a key moment in using fire in battle during the Armada campaign as well. Now, James, I think everyone needs a project, something to go and do. They do, they do. And this episode's task, sticking with Elizabeth I, is related to the portraits of this last Tudor queen. Now, Elizabeth, because she's one of the longest serving of the Tudor monarchs, had so many pictures of herself painted and these pictures are sumptuous to look at. And there's a wonderful online collection of them at the National Portrait Gallery. And the web is chock-a-block with these images. So a very quick Google search will pull up all sorts of images for you. Now, what's also important to know about these paintings is that they're not just straightforward paintings of the sitter, but instead they are full of images and symbolism. Now, keeping with the Armada, I want you all to Google Elizabeth I Armada portrait. And this was produced after the Armada by an unknown artist. And it depicts Elizabeth in a brilliant setting. But what I want you to ask are the following questions. What does this picture depict? So what does it show? Pay particular attention, secondly, to how the Queen is represented. 
Note her face, her makeup, how she's looking. And remember that she's actually quite old at this stage. So what is the artist trying to get across? Thirdly, what is the significance of particular features? Have a look at the globe on which her hands are rested. What does that signify? Also, have a look at the two views that we can see on the left and right hand side outside the windows. What do they represent? And fourthly, what is the symbolism of the pearl that she's wearing around her neck? The columns on either side of her or the mermaid that's carved into the back of the chair of state. Now, fifthly, write a short description of the portrait and go out there and have a look at Tudor monarchs and their portraiture and think about how portraiture was an important part of Tudor propaganda. Absolutely brilliant. I think that's a great project for everyone to be doing. And as always, guys, if you're enjoying that, please tell your friends and come and make friends with us as well on social media. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram and on Twitter. And do check out everything that's available on historiesoftheunexpected.com. Thank you all for listening. We've got some fun stuff coming next, haven't we, James? Yes, we have, Sam. We've got some brilliant stuff. What's coming up? Oh, we are going to do spiders. I promise we'll do spiders. We've just got to work out how. <laughs> I, I'd like to do scabs. Oh, OK. Scabs is next, and I reckon. invisibility. Oh, and cows. Oh, love cows. Brilliant. OK, well, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.